Hello, and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers, and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed, and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar. Thanks for listening into episode number 236. The cattle market has adjusted to a big shift in supply and demand in Australia after consecutive seasons of really intense herd rebuild, limited supply and an exceptional level of demand. But what lies ahead? This week, MLA released their much-anticipated biannual cattle projections. And today, we're thrilled to have Ripley Atkinson, Senior Market Information Analyst with Meat and Livestock Australia, here to share what they're expecting from herd numbers, slaughter and price, as well as some really valuable insight into what's happening on the ground in terms of season and supply in our different regions and the challenges and opportunities in the market outlook. We are going to get straight into the episode today with our very own Ethan Woolley, as well as Ripley Atkinson. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks, Olivia, and uh, welcome everyone back to another episode of Commodity Conversations. Uh, This week, we are joined by Ripley Atkinson, Senior Market Information Analyst at MLA, and uh, he's going to talk to us a bit about cattle and some of the insights from the June edition of the cattle projections released by MLA. Thanks for joining us, Ripley. Morning, Ethan. Thanks to you and the Mercado team for having me. Awesome. Well, uh, I guess in terms of setting the scene, uh, would, would you be able to give us a bit of an update of what's been happening in the market in terms of season and supply to get us where we are today? Yeah, so on Tuesday, we released our mid-year update for the for the June cattle projections. And obviously, uh, a major part of that certainly been how the first six months of this year have, have performed. And we've seen in a number of different ways, not only price, but supply and, and dynamics around around cattle numbers and things like that have changed, obviously, quite quickly. And these are all the results of of really this, this three-year period between 2020 and 2022, which has been the most consecutive uh, intense period of rebuilding of the cattle herd that, that the industry has seen in nearly 50 years. Absolutely. And um, I guess in terms of of rebuild and talking about where we are at in that stage. Uh, we've seen that supply is strong, but we've also seen uh, low female slaughter rates. Uh, what is MLA projecting in terms of future growth? We are expecting the herd to continue to grow uh, this year out to 2025. So this year in 2023, we expect the herd to reach its highest level since 2014 at 28.7 million head. Uh, growth again next year to 28.9 million and then out to 2025 growth to 29.24 million head which will be the highest the herd's been since 1978. Some absolutely significant milestones reached there by the industry and in terms of what we're seeing um, outside of the herd numbers in terms of season what are some of the factors that are factoring into these projections. Uh, for example, there's a lot of discussion and sentiment in the industry about seasonal conditions with uh, El Nino predictions grabbing headlines, but at the same time, a number of regions running livestock getting good rainfall. Uh, what, what are some of those seasonal condition factors that uh, I guess are being built into the updated projections? You point out some some really um, key factors there, Ethan, namely the fact that conditions in, in the southeastern part of, of, of the eastern seaboard and certainly across into WA is still having a cracking start 
or first half of the year. So conditions, even though there's all this chatter about dry conditions coming and, you know, th these these dynamics of drier conditions appearing and looking more likely in the model doesn't necessarily mean that we're in any sense of the word as, as a nation in drought at the minute. But when we look forward to how we've gotten to these figures that I just mentioned about the herd growth, we have built dry conditions into our model. So the model uh, within the next 18 months recognises that we will be going or we will be in dry seasonal conditions. Despite that, the model is still forecasting uh, these strong improvements out to basically a maturation level where the growth has really sort of stabilised and slowed in the herd size. Beyond 2025, though, the model does forecast the herd to fall. So the seasonal aspect obviously has been the past three years and what that's then underpinned by in supply terms now is this retention of females. It's really been the strongest. Uh, so 2022 FSR, which measures the number of female cattle processed as a percentage of the total, its yearly average figure was the fifth lowest on record, and it was the lowest FSR since 1996 or in 28 years. So the retention of females is going to drive this longer-term improvement in supply of both slaughter and finish weight cattle and then also in, in supplies of young cattle into the market as well. Are there certain differences or key traits between different regions, north, south and west, that, that, that you can explain? Or is that typically the general trend overall? What we do know is sort of 2020-2021 for Queensland and northern Australia didn't receive the, the rainfall like, like the, the southern herd did. And that's obviously sort of held its rebuild back a bit. But now that 2022, the full year for Queensland was was generally quite good in terms of seasonality and rainfall totals. And we know that 22-23 wet season just gone was the best wet Northern Australia's had, some may say, in a decade or certainly since 2010-11. So that contribution of Northern Australia now moving forwards, because it's where the core of the breeding herd is, can rebuild and grow numbers quite quickly. But conversely, in Southern Australia... Stocking rates uh, and, and sort of numbers of cattle on farm in, in southern Australia and, and certainly, you know, part, parts of the west as well are above long-term averages. So that, that southern herd has most definitely re rebuilt. It's in a growth stage at the minute, but we expect those numbers to mature and slow that growth um, and sort of remain at those levels before then falling. So there's a couple of dynamics between the north and south that are different and obviously seasonality certainly the North missing out on those sort of first two years, 2020, 2021, has held back its rebuild. But Southern Australia, because it's had three in a row, is in a different position. And you see that through increased yarding numbers, for example. Like New South Wales, yard, total yardings for cattle already this year are 100,000 head up on last year, whereas other parts and other states are, are less so. You know, the yardings are actually back. Definitely. And the, the yardings piece is, is very interesting because um, with that increased yarding, there's also going to be that impact on price. But what are some of the impacts that you're seeing on price in terms of the supply that's eventuated from these conditions? So far in 2023, the cattle market has fundamentally operated the way it should. 
the last three years, uh, 2020 to 22, are the exception. It, demand was so intense for stocks. Seasons drove demand, certainly at that producer level, and the, and the shortened supply drove improvements in price. When we look at what's happened already in the first months of six, the first six months of this year, sorry, the market's fundamentally done what it typically does. So when we now look to what uh, seven industry analysts we went out to for a forecast of the feeder steer and the Eastern Young Cattle indicator to 30 September and 31 December, both of those forecasts for both indicators from these seven industry analysts do suggest a softening in price between now and September and then also between now and and the end of the year. So the analysts are expecting the Eastern Young Cattle Indicator, for example, to be at an average level of 545 cents by 31 December. And then the feeder steer price out to the end of the year is forecast to be at 298 cents a kilo live weight as well. So they are they are forecasting a softening in the market between now and 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 the end of this year. And in terms of the processes and their role to play in this, um, what are some of the um the the factors on the processing and demands piece that are sort of contributing to the softening market, if there are any? So in December, we went and consulted with the major pastoral operations, processes, lot feeders and live exporters in Australia. And within that within that space, when discussing with the processes, they recognised labour as the key determinant and constraint of total beef output this year. And as a result of that, in our January forecast, we provided um, two projected numbers for 2023 slaughter. The first one was 6.6 million, which is what the model suggested would be the figure. And then through consultation with those processes, 6 million head was the number that they provided based on their ability to deal or their, their expected ability to deal with labour. We've now seen six months of the year progress. We've seen uh, weekly slaughter rates in June reach their highest levels in over three years and total slaughter rates already this year are ahead of 2022 numbers by about 480,000 head. So what that's meant, Ethan, is when we've inputted this data into the model, that has revised, the model's recognised that and it's revised our slaughter figures for 2023 higher to 6.95 million head. And that's that's an uptick of 5% or 325,000 head on our January forecast of 6.6 million. So we recognise that like the continuation of this year and how much beef we end up producing will be still determined by process's ability to deal with labour and the implications that has on their supply chain. But already we've seen they've found ways to cope with higher numbers of finished stock. And that's reflected in this improvement uptick forecast we've seen uh, or we've delivered to, to just under 7 million head for, for this year. And the same occurs in 2024 when average slaughter rates will get to 7.6 million That'll be about firm on the 10-year average. And then 2025, 8.35 million is a lot more reflective of the herd size at that that rate, which will be the highest it's been since 1978. So it's good to good to hear that with the significant supply happening, that there is that increase in the slaughter rate. So the, the processes are coming to the party to uh, to facilitate that movement. 
And that'll be really important because what we've seen is there's this is that one of the bright spots is strong demand for beef globally, um, such as products like 90CL and other export products. Um, what are some of the other demand size factors that MLA think about when they're looking at the outlook? When we look at, at the, the global dynamic and, and the sort of global picture at the minute, everyone recognises there are inflationary pressures on the household budget and the consumer uh, to deal with, obviously, this, this cost of living situation that isn't isolated to, to just our domestic shores, but because we're a major player in the global beef export space, that it is, it is also then in, impacting our markets uh, across the globe. But when you look at how our beef exports have gone this year, obviously in line with improved production and slaughter rates, our beef export numbers are, are performing quite well. And when you look then on the demand side, we certainly know there's a couple of things that are supporting us in terms of uh, our ability and the numbers of or, or volume of product we're delivering to over 100 different countries in, in our beef export space, namely the exchange rate. Currently today, the dollar or yesterday, the dollar was trading at 68 US cents. That is making our product more competitive on the global market. Despite these inflationary and global macroeconomic pressures, the dollar is supporting our Australian exporters with, with some, some movement room because, because it's operating or trading at a lower rate. The other thing uh, that, that is helping as well is because our domestic livestock prices have softened, that's being reflected in lower export prices, which is allowing us to compete more heavily with, with other countries, namely the US, um, which we've obviously sort of been in a direct challenge with over the last couple of years as their production's been quite high. So there's two dynamics there of a better or more favourable exchange rate for our exporters and the fact that our domestic livestock prices have fallen, which is reflected in lower meat export prices, is putting us in pole position or a good position to capitalise on these demand fundamentals, which we know are all associated with this global protein deficit. We know generally across the globe in all markets that every year we're seeing a larger number of consumers recognised as affluent who earn over $75,000 US a year in their household. They want a premium product. Australia can meet and provide that. And that's where we're seeing these dynamics fall into place with higher production and therefore that's leading into higher exports. Some important insight there to, I guess, uh, provide hope and, and and confidence in the industry. Um, in terms of the the projections that released in June, are there any other particular insights that that they would like to share with us um, that that have come out in this report? The interesting one, which there has been a lot of chatter on, and a lot of people follow quite closely, is obviously the United States situation and how they're performing at the minute in terms of where they're at with a rebuild. The US is still, despite slaughter numbers, uh, year-to-date slaughter volumes declining compared to this this time, you know, the, the first six months of 2022, they're still historically very elevated. And the US is still killing a significantly larger number of females than what they have against, say, five-year averages, which is going to eat into the core of their breeding herd. So in 2023, the USDA forecast that their national cow herd would reach its lowest level since 1964. And what that's going to mean is when the US does completely turn into a full rebuild, it's not there yet, but when it does, it's going to accentuate the length of time it will take for the United States to rebuild those numbers. What that means then, like we've seen in the last three years for Australia, 
is production falls as more producers retain stock to capitalise on seasons to rebuild their herd. When that happens in the United States, because we're a global export player directly competing with them, that will lower their beef production. It allows Australia to really capitalise on those shortfalls in production the US have and then meet that demand from consumers in those markets we're competing with in competing with the US in. So that's a really interesting dynamic to keep an eye on. And when you look at the the dynamics and the way the market signals are at the minute, it looks increasingly likely that will will be the case in, in early 2024. Again, thank you to everybody for listening today to the Commodity Conversations. Uh, we're joined by Ripley Atkinson, Senior Market Information Analyst at MLA. And we just, from the Mercado team, we'd like to thank uh, yourself and the team for, for the work you've done on the projections. And uh, we look forward to the, to the next iteration. Thank you for joining us today, Ripley. Thanks as always to, to you, Ethan, and, and the broader Mercado team. Great to chat.